to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How is it going, everybody? Happy Wednesday. We have a busy show for you today. We're going to cover Tua Tungavailoa and Chris Greer's media availability from this Wednesday. Busy show. Let's go ahead and jump right in. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And so we heard from Tua Tungavailoa just a few minutes ago. We'll go ahead and get to that media availability here in just a minute. But first, Chris Greer gave his annual pre-draft press conference here at the Baptist Health Studios, or the Baptist Health Training Complex, I should say, coming to you here from the Baptist Health Studios. And I thought it was a very informative and transparent and really valuable press conference here with Chris Greer talking about a number of things. First off the top, number one, congratulated the Miami Heat, who are up two games to nothing in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. You love to hear that. Of course, also talked about the Florida Panthers and my buddy Goldie, Steve Goldstein, sitting next to me in that press conference and uh, congratulating the Panthers on their impending one seed in the Eastern Conference. Also with Miami, or inter-Miami, I should say, the soccer team, uh, I believe in the playoffs right now or advancing into a, a, a certain stage of a tournament. I, I'm not up on my, on my soccer right now, guys. I apologize for that. But Chris Greer making a mention of South Florida sports and a good time to be in South Florida as a sports fan. Hopefully the Dolphins can continue that here into the month of April, into the offseason program, and of course right into training camp and the regular season and help just continue the success here of South Florida sports. And one player that can have a big say in that is the player who was first asked, or I should say Chris Greer was first asked about, and wide receiver Tyreek Hill. And I love this question because I think a lot of times in this league, in this game, in this in, in the competition that is sports, it's all about taking advantage of market opportunities, right? Whatever the market gives you, can you take advantage of whether it's a good market in certain aspects, whether it's a low market in this aspect, and does the supply and demand reflect the ability to go out and make a move that makes your football team better? And that's how you have to view these things, through that lens of not just, well, here's player A in, in place B. It has more to do with what's available at position C and possibility D. And it just continues to go down the line. And we've talked about that you know, at length on this particular podcast on Drive Time uh, and even Locked on Dolphins before Drive Time with, you know, as far as my podcasting career goes, about how this Dolphins operation really since Chris Greer you know, was elevated to the, his current role with the club, has taken on these really good market value moves, whether it's draft pick trades or veteran trades, whatever the case may be. And you look at the back end of the first round and for a draft class where Daniel Jeremiah has talked about it, I've listened to the Around the NFL podcast and heard him on that same podcast or Josh Norris or Evan Silva. It doesn't really matter which expert you take the opinion of. They pretty much point back to, the receiver position in this class isn't really billed as what it was in 2020 or 2021, but it does have a bunch of players that we expect to come out and contribute early. It maybe lacks a top end marquee name. And you think about that and you think about the Dolphins having that 29th pick in the draft. Well, if you're picking 29th and there are five really good receivers that don't match up to what Waddle or Chase or Devontae Smith was a year ago as far as their their you know their projections as prospects, 
and you have an opportunity to go out and get a player like Tyreek Hill who supersedes any prospect because you know that you can pluck him into your pluck him from one team and put him into your system and have, you know, an all-pro playmaker, game changer type of player. So if you get five receivers from this draft class we just talked about that go off the board before pick 29, is it more valuable to have receiver number six or four or five, whatever it might have been, or Tyreek Hill? And so he talked about that. I thought it was a great question, but I want to play this audio here from Chris Greer talking about, you know, Tuesday, yesterday, we had the players on the field, what we talked about with Tyreek Hill and already making an impression here on this Dolphins staff in front office. Yeah, no, like we were trying to figure out what we were going to do on draft day, you know, and one of the guys said, he goes, well, just watch Tyreek highlights, you know, in the draft room and make us feel good. Um, but you know, it's 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 unfair to compare any of those kids to Tyreek's skill set, you know, coming out. He's such a unique talent, and even yesterday on the field, he made a play and went down, and then he popped up, you know, like no hands, like flipped up right off the ground, and we're just like, look at this guy. <laughs> He's just so uh, explosive and springy, and, and just the way he works out of practice, his work ethic's unbelievable. So, um, again, it's a, it's a talented class of receivers, um, but... You know, obviously, we can't compare them to Tyreek at all. And uh, for what he does and what we feel he does in, in this offense and what uh, a great fit he is. I mean, as advertised, right, both on the field and in the locker room as a leader, the type of guy that you want a young receiver like Jalen Waddle to kind of be around and to just absorb all the information, all the knowledge, all the wisdom that Tyreek Hill can impart. I mean, it's, it's going to be invaluable for this football team. Next, another great question here. I think this was uh, Daniel Oyafusi from the Miami Herald talking about how the process changes in a year where you don't have as many draft picks and uh, do you send out as many people on the road to go to your scouting and, and check with people? And Chris Greer says nothing has changed because you never know when your opportunities might arise. Yeah, we haven't changed our process because I think you end up shortchanging you know, um, the organization if you do that because at the end of the day, um, you never know when opportunities arise You know, um, to do something, whether – you know. Um, make a move or not, or if a player falls, you think there's a chance to go get them. Um, so you have to work through your process and, and be ready to answer all questions. And, and at the end of the day, you never know. This could be a trade a year or two on a player. And if you haven't done your work and you've, you know, just because you don't pick till 102, um, you can end up hurting you when you don't have all the information um, if those opportunities arise. So for us, we had guys were out all uh, pro days. We Guys, coaches are out. Coaches are doing private workouts. They still have some private workouts going on here over the next week or so. So um, for us, it's been full steam ahead. The um, personnel staff has done a tremendous job. And uh, the coaching staff, Mike and the coaching staff, uh, these guys enjoy getting out, getting to meet players, bringing them in. So um, the private workout stuff, it's been, it's been exciting. And I think the coaches really enjoy getting to know these players too as well. That's a theme we've touched on on these draft preview podcasts, isn't it? I think I'll, I think I'll even talk about it with Keith Sanchez today about the idea of you might not have these picks in these spots, but you still want to do your homework on players because, like Chris said, you might trade for them down the line. In four years, they could become free agents that you're interested in. So it's always good to know these players, but also to know the league, too, because you might wind up playing these guys. If he goes to the Jets, you're going to see him twice a year. You want to have an idea of who that player is. Let's say you play him opening day. You want to have that college scouting report on that player because you don't have NFL tape to go off of to watch that guy, aside from preseason stuff. So I thought that was very interesting. He also was asked about the idea of competition at the center position. You might recall back at the owners' meetings, Chris Greer spoke about adding competition to that spot with Michael Dieter, who they believe very well in here, could be a very good starting center in this league for this team. And uh, 
Chris was asked specifically about the competition at that spot, and he said, you know, the good part about this draft, and, and you know, this is a big pool this year because of all the, the players that were kind of left over from the COVID and, and not getting to play that additional year of college football, they go back to college football and don't go to the draft last year. So you have a massive pool of UDFAs to choose from, and he mentioned those UDFAs specifically and also mentioned the work that the scouts and the regional scouts and all the people on staff that have to go into the process of finding these kind of gems, guys that he said fall through the cracks at times, thought that was very interesting, and this Dolphin scouting staff does such a good job on those players, UDFAs, late round draft picks every single year it seems, finding one of those hidden gems that winds up being on your roster for a long time into that second contract and the Dolphins will work hard to find some more of those guys in this year's crop. Up next, Chris was asked about the idea of pushing capital into future draft classes and what it says about this year's class. Again, thought his answer was great here and the Tyreek Hill opportunity was more about Tyreek Hill than it was an indictment on this year's draft class. It's always difficult because you know everything's a projection so you know people always say that then you look back at some drafts and you're like wow look at, you know look at those you know 12 of those first round picks are you know guys are maybe you know pro bowlers every year and hall of fame guys in the future so uh, every draft has their strengths and weaknesses by position so I, I think you know for us trading those picks really had nothing to do with how the draft looked it was the opportunity to acquire you know, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> you know, just a special talent for what we were looking for. So uh, at the end of the day, every draft will be judged three years from now, <laughs> you know, how it looks. Um, you know, and every year we go through is where some people think it's not strong or, or weak. And I, I think it you really got to give these kids three years to really develop and, and see where, where, where it's, everything stands. I know social media and media in general does not reflect how NFL teams think and so this is probably obvious but it is refreshing to hear someone like Chris Greer talk about three years and players developing and giving themselves time for those players to reach their full potential and their peak before the evaluation process is finished speaking of the offensive line and players of the like speaking of the offensive line Chris Greer said that was a position that he believes is a strength in this year's class when he was asked about which positions are the strengths in this year's class. I would say the offensive line group, it's, it's a pretty good offensive line group. Uh, I think there's um, some talent all the way through from uh, the tackles, the guards, centers, um, all the way into the mid-rounds. I think you can find some good quality players. Um, you know, like everything, everyone's always looking for, you know, the pass rushers. And I think there are some high-level rushers in this draft. And then, you know, at the end of the day, there will be some projection guys that have some upside to work with. So I would say the big offensive line to me, I think, is, is the one real strong position in this draft. Offensive line and edge rushers, or pass rushers, I suppose. And if you guys want to hear about those edge rushers, we're going to have that on this podcast for you here coming up with Keith Sanchez. If you want to go back and check out the offensive line preview, Joe Marino gave us a great rundown on this year's class in that middle portion of the of the draft, as well as late guys you can scoop up and possibly get some value there on day number three. Chris was also asked about the importance of keeping the two first-round picks in that Tyreek Hill trade, and he talked about that a little bit in that answer, but I'm going to go ahead and push that back a little bit because he does discuss later on in this press conference the ideal, the ideology of building through the draft, how that still is what he believes in at his core. So we're going to go ahead and bring it back around to that here in just a minute because I think he answered that really well in a future question. But here, Chris was asked about putting putting Tua Tungavailoa in position to succeed and giving him the pieces to succeed. I thought Chris Greer's answer about that in this offseason, not just with the players and the personnel, but the coaching staff, was a really good answer. Here's Chris. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of that too is, is 
it has to do with Coach McDaniel and his coaching staff, you know, and kind of the offense that, you know, Mike does and what he's um, building here and what his philosophy's been. Um, I think, yes, we've added some pieces on offense as well, but a lot of it fits what Mike's looking for too. Uh, and that, and I think, yeah, and it, a lot of it does fit what Tua does well. And I, and I think uh, we're all very excited. And I, I know Mike has been raving about Tua here over uh, him and Coach Bevel, uh, their time working with them and spending time with them in the meeting rooms and watching them on the, on the field here uh, yesterday. Um, so yeah, we're very excited for him and, and looking forward to the season, how he keeps progressing. Raving about quarterback Tua Tungavailoa are Mike McDaniel and Daryl Bevel. You love to hear that. Chris was also asked about the possibility of being aggressive and going back up into the first round of this year's draft. And he said, I'll never say never talking about the possibility of that. If a player they believe in has immense talent falls for whatever reason, you know, kind of akin to the Laramie Tunzel move several years back, but talking about how that's a possibility simply because they always are going to be aggressive and take advantage of opportunities as they come about. But for now, picking in the third round. Chris was also asked about the trade for Devontae Parker going to the New England Patriots, trading him in division. Here's Chris on that trade comprehensively. I think more, you've seen over the last couple of years, more teams doing interdivisional trades, you know, which before when I first started in, in here, you would never do that, you know. Uh, I think the last time, you know, we did it was uh, with our current receiver coach, <laughs> you know, which didn't turn out well for us then. Um, but uh, I think when it's, you have an opportunity to do right by the player and the organization, both sides feel good about it. Like I said, this was never anything where we planned to trade Devontae. You know, once we made the trade for Tyreek, we received multiple phone calls. And, and I think most teams assumed that, you know, we'd signed Cedric Wilson, traded for Tyreek that, you know, and had obviously uh, with Waddle here that um, Devontae was the guy that would be available. So multiple teams called. Um, the Pages were the most aggressive. Um, and uh, at the end of the day, worked with the agent, talked to Devontae, wanted to do right by him too as well. And, and um, But um, getting that third round pick was, was very important for us. And, and we are fine if it was this year or next year. So. Very interesting stuff there, talking about Devontae Parker and the market for him, and multiple teams kind of making the assumption that he might be available after the Hill trade and the Wilson signing and kind of holding out for that top value. And I like the idea of not being worried about where you're trading the player and getting the most valuable draft pick you can for him, a third-round pick. This year and next year it makes no difference, right? It's, it's still a third-round draft pick, as you heard Chris Greer say right there. But I like that. Don't don't be scared of, of the neighbor to the north there. You've got a couple of wins in a row against that team. Like, let's be aggressive and build our team the way you want to and let the chips fall where they may otherwise. So good stuff there. Getting good value back there for Devontae Parker uh, and his production the last couple of years, coming back with a third-round draft pick right now. Chris was then asked about the process of this draft season and the offseason, made a little joke about his son, kind of keeping him up to date on the social media happenings about how his popularity before the Teron Armstead and Tyreek Hill moves and after and the peaking of that and kind of having some fun with that there as well. Next, uh, Chris was asked about the approach to only having these late round draft picks, third, fourth, and two sevenths, and how you approach it. Is it picking by need? Is it going after specific players? What's your approach only having these few draft picks? Here's Chris Greer. No, I, I think when you have those few picks as we do, I think you got to be right on them. And so I think you got to be very uh, deliberate and measured of, of what the roster and what that guy's role on the roster is going to be and how he fits. So um, obviously, There'll be an occasion where if that special guy is there to take that risk on something, you will. But 
I think when you know you're picking third, fourth round, and then two in the seventh, it's you got to kind of make sure what you're getting and who it is and how he's going to fit on the team. Really good stuff. Let's go ahead and finish up with this last question, which kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier about building through the draft and the philosophy of Chris Greer and taking advantage of certain situations. Here he is talking about why the Dolphins felt they could be aggressive, but also talking about how it wasn't just Tyreek Hill. They were looking to be aggressive to go after veterans that were available in the National Football League this year or potentially available with those picks. Here's Chris Greer on the philosophy and being aggressive with those picks this year because of the team and the way it stacks up. I I still believe in building through the draft. I think the draft's an important part of building your team and having young assets to work through. But um, we've shown that we'll always be aggressive, you know, if it comes to acquiring a good player uh, or at least attempting to, and we've done that. So um, I would say that, you know, um, for us, the ability to get good players and where we were as young as we are on this roster right now and knowing that we had the two first-round picks in 2023 – enabled us to, you know, be aggressive and, and make a move like that. And and we had we had talked to a number of teams about a number of players. So it was we were we were being very aggressive, you know, across the league trying to find players. And uh, Tyreek was not one that ever thought would happen. And um, you know, a lot of credit to Brett Veach and Coach Reed working with them was was great. And I'm sure um, they were frustrated with us at times as we were frustrated with them, but it, it ended up working out well. So there you have Dolphins General Manager Chris Greer. Let's go ahead and take our first break here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, will come back and hear from quarterback Tua Tungavailoa on the other side. Back here on this Wednesday, April 20th edition of the Drive Time Podcast brought to you by Auto Nation. And we heard from another prominent player in the Miami Dolphins organization here and Tua Tungavailoa, who first was asked about many things, but first asked about what's it like throwing to wide receiver Tyreek Hill. It's fun. Um, you catch glimpses of, of his speed, um, and, you know, you, you obviously have played against him, seen, seen him uh, play in, in other games, seen his highlights as well. I mean, he's explosive. You know, he can turn a, a negative two-yard swing route into, you know, a 20-yard touchdown um, or a 20-yard gain. So it's, it's pretty cool. It's exciting. Now, Tua said 20-yard play, but Tua, he can also take those plays and make them 80, 90-yard plays by the same same token there as well. So definitely exciting. We heard from Chris. We heard from Tua. All the buzz around the building about Tyreek Hill kind of being as advertised. And so next, Tua was asked about this offseason and the way they've kind of built this team to have some more firepower on offense. And does he feel a sense of renewed commitment because of that? I love Tua's answer here talking about the energy again going back to how things are here under Coach Mike McDaniel. Well, I I, th- I think it's I don't know I I I just feel like the, there's so much th- things that have happened you know a lot of changes um, and a lot of good changes I guess you know the with the people that we've picked up the guys that we've acquired as well the, you know just the locker room feels different um, and we're all excited you know this is the first time I've seen you know a lot of you know guys show up to phase one of OTAs. And a lot of veterans are showing up to it. You know, I, I think that speaks a lot to, uh, you know, Mike and the relationship that he has with a lot of the guys on the team um, and the amount of respect that he, he has from uh, the players in the locker room. You know, my takeaway from that comment goes back to, and this would be like a scan the social segment we do in season here on Drive Time, about, you know, can Mike McDaniel lead a room? Can he command a, a room full of alpha mentalities? I mean, 
I've seen that question more times than I, I think is even worthy or valid or whatever, but the answers we've gotten over that course of time has been an emphatic yes. And you hear that from the way his counterparts, his co-workers, his players talk about the way he speaks to people. And you'll hear more about Coach McDaniel wanting to hang out with the guys here in just a second. But I mean, talking about the command and the relationship that he has with these guys and a testament to Mike, I mean, question answered right there. Next, Tua talked about what he likes about this particular offensive system so far, just two days in. Well, we've only had two days of really, you know, kind of getting into the offense. So it's, there's not much installed within the, the run, the run action, uh, play passes that we have. Um, but, you know, it, it's very similar to what I've, I've ran at Alabama, um, which in a sense makes it a little easier um, as far as verbiage and whatnot. But that's still, you know, that's still a challenge um, is kind of learning the verbiage, learning where everyone's going, um, you know, hearing, you know, Mike or uh, hearing Frank or whoever it is, you know, in, in the headset, you know, trying to give the call and then recalling it to the offense. That's, you know, that's still something that got to continue to get better at. How about how Tua and Mike McDaniel's relationship has progressed since Coach McDaniel was hired here? Here's QB1. I don't know if you've seen the, the videos of him at the Luau. I think that speaks a lot. You know, that's that's kind of how the relationship has been. Um, you know, very supportive. Um, you know, wants to hang out. You know, I, I I go up there to his office, tell him, you know, I got a couple of the guys coming over to hang out, and he feels bad, you know, that I, he didn't get an invite <laughs> to come over and hang out. So, you know, it's 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 been a really cool relationship. It's been different, but it's been super cool. Follow-up, what does that support mean to you from your head coach? I think support for any of us as players uh, means a lot. Uh, we understand that, you know, the NFL, it's it's a tough, you know, industry. It's, it's tough to play because you're playing against the best every Sunday. Uh, but to be able to have support of the head coach, the head guy, um, I mean, that, that, that should tell you a lot. And the next two was asked about how much work he's done on making himself more of a leader for this football team. Here's Tua talking about leadership and what leadership looks like under head coach Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I think the, the cool thing about being, um, you know, on this team under Mike is Mike doesn't force you to be what you're not or what you don't want to be. If, you know, th this is how you lead, that's all he wants you to do is lead the way you lead. He doesn't want anyone to, you know, poo that guy to the side, you know, tell him how bad his route was and whatnot and, you know, come back to the huddle. It's more like, hey, you know, Go talk to the guy, you know, tell him what your thoughts are. He'll tell you what your thoughts are. You guys meet in the, meet in the middle, and, you know, that's, that's what that is. And so for me, I'm, I'm not a, a guy to go, you know, screaming at the defense if, if they, they bust the coverage and we're trying to, you know, get some work. You know, I'm just one that after all of that, when our set is done, I'll go over and, you know, kind of talk to them like, hey, we really need you guys to help us on this because, you know, if you guys don't give us the looks, then, you know, we're not going to be able to execute that right in the game. So, you know, for, for me, my, my leadership role on this team hasn't, hasn't changed. Just be myself, and what more can you ask? There's one thing I've learned in 34 and a half years on this planet. It's that the only way you're going to get the best version of yourself is to be yourself. So you love hearing that about the 
genuine nature of how players want to be around here and how they want to lead and how they want to approach this entire game and this entire sport and this entire profession. Speaking of, you know, knowing yourself, Tua was asked about velocity. And one of my least favorite things to talk about is a quarterback velocity and, and breaking down OTA throws on air for velocity. But if we're going to do it, here he is talking about really the idea of throwing the ball to a spot and letting these guys run under the football, something we talked about a lot last camp as a big strength of Tua's. I, I don't feel any of that at all. I think uh, the most important thing is timing with these guys. You know, these guys are going to get there. You just lay it up to a spot for them and I have them go get it. So that's what we've been working on throughout this voluntary veterans minicamp. And uh, I think we've done a good job. We had we had a lot of fun today. Don't you love hearing that? Had a lot of fun today. Football's supposed to be fun, right? Uh, let's go ahead and move on here to the next part here, talking about uh, playing with six different OCs in a six-year span going from college to the pros and how that has impacted or yeah, impacted is the right word, impacted the way he's been able to get to this stage of his career and the challenges of learning a new offense seemingly every season. Yeah, um, really, you just get used to studying um, and you just get comfortable studying. That's that's all it is. Get comfortable with the verbiage, get comfortable with where everyone needs to go. Um, for me, I, I like to draw it up when I can say it. So I'll say it, I'll draw it up where everyone goes and then... Uh, you know, I'll have my brother, my dad, someone test me, quiz me on it. And then from there, then I'll go outside, you know, in the backyard, and then I'll move my dad or my brother or whoever's out there, my mom sometimes. You know, I'll move them, telling them, hey, you're the Z now, or you're the X, or you're the Y, you know, just so I can picture it better. And so when we do come out here, it's a lot easier when guys do ask, hey, where, where do I go, and what do I run, you know, so... And the follow-up there is, Tua, does your family, do your parents enjoy doing that with you in the backyard? I tell you what, they enjoy it. They, they really enjoy it. Um, I, I guess my parents, they, they really enjoy it. My brother, he, it's, it's one of those things where, like, hey, like, how many more do we have? Um, you know, but my parents, you know, they, they do everything that they can to help me succeed. So uh, they, they don't mind at all. That reminds me of a podcast that Tua's trainer Nick Hicks was on last year talking about how when you walk into Tua's house, it's like hieroglyph- hieroglyphics all over the wall from all the offensive plays and football study he has and how much time he puts into the mental side of the game. So you love to hear that. How about the addition of Teron Armstead and what that means for Tua protecting that left side of the quarterback's pocket? Yeah, I think, I think with Teron Armstead being here, um, you know, his, his leadership, you know, his – him being a veteran in the league, him knowing so much and playing under a quarterback like Drew Brees prior and then him being able to help me, um, you know, and how to help lead the offense, you know, how to pull guys to the side and do certain things. Um, you know, just his leadership, he, he hasn't been out to practice uh, yet. Um, but, yeah, just him being around the building, he's, he's a really nice person. Tua also touched a little bit about playing with Daryl Bevel and the big-time names that he has coached and just talked about the general mood and atmosphere in that quarterback room and all the valuable resources they have in that room with Daryl Bevel, with Teddy Bridgewater, and, of course, mentioned Dan Marino as well. Tua was later asked about the relationship with Teddy Bridgewater and 
that he's looking forward to that relationship with him, but then he expects it to be the same as it was with other quarterbacks like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jacoby Brissett. So moving on here, uh, Tua was also asked about plans away from the football field this summer. He said golf. Uh, he said his best game he shot was an 81, all self-taught on YouTube. That's impressive. I'm the same way. Don't, don't go to uh, lessons or anything. Tua was also asked about expectations for himself this year, and he said to win games and help this team win games. That's that's the expectation. And then we get, we'll go back to the audio here with Tua talking about Cedric Wilson and what he sees in his game. And Tua made this mention that he thought upon watching Cedric from his tape with the Cowboys or just watching him on TV that he was a smaller player than he is. Something we talked about a lot here, right? Six foot two can, th- can threaten downfield vertically at that size. Also shifty player. Here's Tua talking about another one of his new weapons here on the Dolphins offense. I thought he was a lot smaller um, for some reason. Maybe maybe the number one made him look extremely slim when he was with the Cowboys. Uh, but you know, I, I thought he was a very shifty guy, a very small shifty guy, but he's actually really, really big. He's tall, he's lanky, and he can move, which surprises which surprises me. Um, normally tall guys, you know, can't can't move as quick and you know aren't as shifty. Uh, but you know, it's cool, cool to see him out there um, running routes. You know, he's done a good job uh, thus far within our voluntary veteran minicamp. So excited. Two more here, and we'll go ahead and get out of here on this Wednesday edition of the Drive Time podcast. And he was asked, Tua was, about sitting down with Coach McDaniel and watching the throws from last season. I'm just going to go ahead and let Tua give you the answer here because it's really good. I, w- I sat down with uh, uh, the head coach, and we, we went over – about 150 clips um, of, of throws, you know, throws that, you know, need to be better, throws that were good, um, you know, all, all sorts of throws. And uh, the reason as to why he showed me that is uh, it transitions to, you know, the way, you know, he kind of schemes up the offense. Um, and really the biggest thing for us is yak. <laughs> is yak. So we want to yak the heck out of, out of teams. Well, we've certainly heard that plenty, and with Tua's accuracy and explosiveness now on the outside, you have to think that's in the cards for this Dolphins football team. Last question here about his input on the playbook, working with head coach Mike McDaniel to find the best offensive system for your Miami Dolphins. Yeah, for me, that that process has just been me studying the formations and studying what they have as far as uh, install with pass plays. Um, it's really early on as to trying to, uh, you know, fine-tune things right now within the playbook. Uh, But, you know, I'm sure when training camp hits, then that's when, uh, you know, everyone will start to have their, you know, input within the play calls, the formations, how things should be called, why we don't want to call it this, why we should call it that, things like that, All all the fun things, huh? So there you go, the GM and QB1 talking to the media on this Wednesday, the second day of Phase 1 here of Voluntary Veteran Minicamp in late April. Let's take our last break here on the Drive Time Podcast and come back with some news from the roster and to put a bow on this thing. Drive Time, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Drive Time Podcast, Travis Wingfield, your host here, wrapping up a busy day from the Baptist Health Training Complex on a Wednesday, hearing from both Chris Greer and Tua Tungavailoa. On Tuesday, we got some late news about a roster addition as Benito Jones, the UDFA from Old Miss a couple years back, is back with the Miami Dolphins. He signed a contract here with Miami, giving us very, very good depth 
on the interior D-line, of course, with Christian Wilkins, Zach Seeler, Adam Butler, Raekwon Davis, John Jenkins back, and now Benito Jones is back as well, giving Miami some experience, depth, veteran presence in that defensive tackle room, interior defensive line room. Good stuff on this Dolphins defense. All right. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and get out of here. That's going to be my time on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Friday, we're going to come back and preview the entire D-line with both Keith Sanchez and Carmen Vitale from the Draft Network. We have some more fun podcasts coming your way next week as well. A show every day except for, I think, Friday. We'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And that'll be our draft coverage for you guys. We'll have the UDFA recap podcast with Emery Hunt afterwards as well. Plenty of content here on Drive Time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Linkfield NFL. You can follow the team across all social channels at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast and the Twitter Spaces show tonight with me and the guys from the Fish Tank, Seth and OJ. Of course, the YouTube channel for media availabilities. Both Chris and Tua in their entirety will be up there as well as Dolphins today. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Daddy's coming home.